let's go. Master of all things tabletop. With the Paladins of Podcast. They ruin the games you love by talking rules that suck, how to build kick-ass encounters, destroy worlds, and really get your players invested. So go ahead and throw that fistful of dice at someone. Because we're going on a side quest. Hey, Rob. How are you doing today? Well, how are you, Eli? <laughs> it's a it's a good day. Um, well, I had a great, you know, kind of three, four day-ish weekend. So, uh, yeah. It sucks to be back to, to, to working, but... Uh, well... I mean, to be fair, side quest isn't work. We don't get paid for this. Oh yeah, yo, not not this. This is fun. Um, this is <laughs> this is great. I I got done with work and I just I just sat and I thought about RPGs. It was great. Um, I thought a lot about my campaign. Um, I had a, we had a, I had a great session uh, this this week. Good. Now this week was also this past week was Thanksgiving. Yes, which does happen to fall on a thursday you have games that take place in the week but this wasn't a holiday game for you was it it was a different day yeah we always we always play on sundays so okay. uh, it just happened to be that everyone's usually back home or since it's a virtual game um like one of my players uh was calling in from their parents place so uh, which nice, is always nice. it's always funny every once in a while you can you know someone leaves a mic on you you hear you hear funny chatter in the back and uh, it's a great time or things you shouldn't hear i well i mean almost always is funny <laughs> um, right right that's fair. So, that's like with those instances when you're younger you're over at your buddy's house and he's getting yelled at by his parents he's just standing there you don't know what to do I'm like i wish i could disappear so well that kind the, of funny the, the funny thing in my group is I've got two sets of brothers to, in 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 the group. So, like in this case, Sawyer was back home and Connor was, you know, virtual and would like hear their parent like in the background. Um, it's a, it's just just makes it a little bit funnier to hear the cross banter. That's cool. That's cool. So, tell us about your last session. <laughs> Um, so they, uh, since EliCon 3, we had, we had ended and we had talked about these big goals and then they got distracted by the goblins and yep. they decided to go on a goblin killing spree nice. and yeah, and then they decided, you know what, let's just go back. Let's just stop killing these goblins. Let's, uh, like, let's just go on to the main quest. Um, now I, I want to see if I remember this correctly. The yep. Goblin Enclave was in a mountain cave, and they had to make it through a large set of doors that would be able to be locked from the inside. There was a whole bunch of dark, unable-to-see pit traps they fell into multiple times. This is the Goblin thing, right? Yep, yep. Just a, so they got into that Goblin battle. That was the, the gatehouse. Uh, they, okay. So they got they got in there, they they killed all the goblins and they were like they they look at their party and to to their party like the they, right now they've got a little bit of a party like a level mismatch um okay. because of the way some people have like cycled out their characters 
And the two low-level characters were very hurt. And then the two mm-hmm. higher-level characters were pretty pretty fine. Uh, the goblins okay. weren't doing a lot of damage to them. Um, and they kind of t- they, they talked it out and they kind of like agreed that they should probably just fall back. Um, and so they fell back. Um, All right. Mid- midway necess- through, they just like failed. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily know if it was best choice um, because their their higher level characters were not really like they had sent their fir- their lower level characters in first into the gatehouse. Mm-hmm. And so those guys had originally took a bunch of damage fighting the goblins before their higher level characters kind of got in now- and knocked the goblins back. When you say that they sent their low-level characters in, do you mean they sent their protégés in, or they sent their lower-level party members in? The low-level party members. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Which which were protégé characters? That because their main char- Yeah, because their main characters had um, a, like were off were off leveling up or yep. training. Like they're they're just not not in the main party right now. Right. Um, and so they also end up. The way they've done their trade, they're they're lacking their their most healy cleric, mm. so uh, it, it makes it a little bit tougher to recover um, when they're in a, a dangerous cave, right? And especially for those lower level uh, players, so needed something. Now, you've mentioned that you don't know if it was their best choice to fall back, which. The strategic withdrawal is something that everybody determines based on their party composition of the DM, and the DM decides if it's the best idea or not uh, by pursuing the followers. What are you thinking right now? I mean, from what I remember last time we talked about your game, they broke in, they decided just to kick in the front gate, storm the damn castle, torch everything in sight and work their way down through the cave system to get the treasure. Uh, But now they've decided just to run back. Are they going to be chased by goblins or are the goblins going to close up shop, make heavier fortifications and just wait? Yeah. So they, they decided to just ignore the goblins and just leave. They're just going back to, uh, so they decided to go back to their uh, their inn um, that they have and to wait out the winter um, and let someone level up. I've got a million up. questions. I've got a, I'm gonna, I gotta ask a million questions because there are so many scenarios in my head. You mind if I ask these questions? Well, let, let me just tell you first what happened in the session. So, please, because this is all history. <laughs> okay. So this was the last last session. They had they had they had fought the goblins and said, yep. you know what. We're, we're not going to fight him. By the way, the reason why I have an issue with that is because their wizard, their wizard frustrates me so much. Uh, <laughs> Your wizard doesn't listen to our show, does he? Uh, well, if he does, he should know that he should use some of the other spells that he has. Hey, don't fireball uh, <laughs> everything, guy. Come on. No, no, no. It's, it's, he, he really loves a couple spells. Um, but specifically, he has Cone of, of Frost, which can basically, it's just you Cone of Frost. Yeah. And it can affect a really big area, and it's a one-shot. And 
I, I keep presenting him these like large groups of of goblins all bunched up, and he'll use individual spells when he's got these lovely area of effect shots. Oh, so whereas I think you should be fireballing everything, he's not. Yeah, so he's like I'm gonna magic missile everything to death when he has the area of effect spell that could wipe them all out, and it's way more fun. Yeah. Got it. Um, That's like the difference between eating rice with a spoon or chopsticks. And and you know, I've I've asked him a couple times, and I'm like, hey, like, what do you think about these other spells you got here? Um he's just like, nah, I love these spells. And so uh he goes for them, but and it's uh it's great. So Okay, um, okay. <laughs> sometimes I I mean I love it that he's like great. I'm just going to use these spells I love. Um, it's just sometimes they're in such sticky situations. And I'm like, he has the tool. Like, mm-hmm. he needs a hammer. And he's got a hammer in his pocket. But he's using his club. It's like, okay. Hey, I, you know what? We, we love those players all the same. Because they present incredible opportunity for new challenges to overcome. Yeah, and I'm I'm just ready for the moment that he whips it out. Because then it's going to be like, I mean, it's going to be an epic energy. moment when he does. <laughs> but okay. Yeah. Um... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it'll be the moment. He, he rides in on the white horse and saves the day. So I'm, I'm excited for that moment, too. I'd love to hear how that session goes. I, I think he's secretly holding out for that because he's he's had a couple of those moments where, like, everyone else in the party has been downed. And then all of a sudden, his he's like, all right, no more messing around. And then he starts, like, <laughs> so uh, it has been fun to see see that come out. And it's pretty epic. Yeah. But I'm like, oh, man. Like, bring that out just a little bit more. Mm. So, I get it. I get it. All right. I, so, I think I think it's going to be. So, I, th- I think that'll be fixed a little bit because the next the next segment of adventure is going to have a lot of things that are um, keyed towards that wizard character. Um, that it's their it's their kind of their quest that we're now fo- the party's now following. So, that was. The end of the end of two sessions ago, they decided to leave the goblin caves. So okay. in this last session I had, I just skipped them forward. Uh, just time skip back to their home base. Um, okay. Yeah, I, gotcha. I we we sometimes do these um, these montage sequences. Um, it's it's something that I picked up. Um, was reading a web comic called uh, Up to Four Players, and it's kind of like a loosely RPG based. Like you know, they've got the RPG comics, and then they'll usually have an article where they talk about it. Um, this one's a powered. I think it's powered by the apocalypse. Um, Crystal Hearts, or maybe it's Savage Worlds. I, I know. I think it's actually Savage Worlds. Um, and one of the things that they have there is these. Um, these interlude sequences and essentially every character draws a card um, and each suit has a different theme like hearts and basically each player 
during this interlude tells a story about their character that involves you know victory or something their character desires and why um <laughs> and so we did one of those um where you know so each character kind of talked about um uh, a couple things so we we had a nice little we did some some role playing um and got them so this was kind of like mainly a planning session because we did a little interlude um and then we did uh, a time we were basically going to time skip nine weeks um for someone to train and so during that time i asked uh what each player wanted to do with their downtime um one person went and uh like kind of gathered intel to, and and used their fame to get to know the local uh sky Valker. um okay. so like a local battle horde uh they gained some intel and uh information there um a couple one person has replaced their arm with a hag's hand <laughs> which is like a kind of like a cursed item and so they're using it to make potentially cursed potions. Oh, I dig um, that. Yeah, yeah. So that's exciting. And uh, then, like, a bunch of the characters decided to go hunting. And this was a perfect opportunity to remind them that they had released a Tetzelweirum into the wild locally. Mm -hmm. um, and so, like, while they were hunting, they found evidence of the Tetzelweirum in the area. And they were like, oh, damn it, we forgot we released that. Like, <laughs> it's, it's probably been terrorizing the local area. So, oh, yeah. Uh, they went and fought it, um, which went a lot crazier than I expected. Um, it ended up like with three of the, f three of the four characters knocked out and unconscious and the last person managed to kill it so okay. nice um yeah it was, it was a no pretty, big spell um that character was off training so it was just <laughs> and and that's what made it so dangerous yeah that's what made the tetzel wireum so dangerous is they went to fight it and they really were like some lower level characters being thrown into the mix right um, and they they managed to pull it out. They had they pulled some some tricky stuff and some heroics to save each other. And it's a I great it. it was a great fight. Um, the Tetzelweirum is a pretty cool monster in Hackmaster um, because it it can it has like a ten foot bite attack. Oh wow! And that's pretty like it's surprising, and it happens occasionally. Um, like on on a, a long time span, mm -hmm. and so the creature kind of like waddles around, and then all of a sudden has extremely long attacks that can nice. catch people by surprise. And so um, it was a it was a change of pace in and how combats can sometimes go. So. I dig that. I dig that. So I got a question about the time skip too. Yeah, sure. Uh, but that's that's uh and then we ended that combat and i had a like little role-playing scene with the wizard that was off training that is kind of queuing up the next quest um basically he spoke to his a quest giver um his his wizardly patron um 
and uh, that's when our session ended. So um, nice, nice. So I want to I want to definitely get these few questions out of out of the way here before I forget. Yeah. When you do your time skip, do you also provide XP to your players? Um, only if we do things like so. If if we're just like, oh, we're just gonna skip three weeks as you guys travel, then we'll just skip three weeks. Like, are you asking if they get experience points for three weeks of skipped travel time? Yes. Um. No. Okay. The reason I ask is because I've adopted a system when I was using XP before we switched to Milestone completely, where if there was time skips, you would kind of figure out kind of what they're doing during the time skip, and they would get a series of XP. And I believe I found it in a downtime rule system, uh, secondary rules for Pathfinder First Edition. And it was neat. I liked it. We used it a few times, but overall, once we went to Milestone, it was easier to love. And then, because you're talking about three weeks of travel, it leads me to wonder, time skipping is one thing. I usually do a lot of fast travel myself. I mean, hey, you guys got to travel two months away, and we'll stop for combats that are important, but in general, we'll fast travel. Uh, I mean, like, <clears throat> the amount of time at the table that fast traveling takes is saying all right so it takes you three weeks to travel here and then you're you've now arrived at the city like it, it takes 10 seconds of time like i don't think it's worth like every once in a while like when the when the characters have something that they want to do with that time great but i'm, I'm not going to try to like burden down that time um oh, I appreciate that as a player uh, and as a DM. I mean, I, I do have things in the background that is time related. So like there is an undead faction out there gaining strength and every, you know, X amount of time they gain more followers, but mm -hmm. that's, that's something that's entirely on the prep side. And so in session, I don't actually care about that. I just know, you know, Oh, at the end of the session, 40 days go by, okay? So that means these things happen in the world. Right. Um, right. But, I, I yeah, like I'm, I'm not going to try to burden down that at the at the table, so. Okay. Uh, the uh, One of the next questions I have about this is, three weeks of travel, for example, is a very extended period of time. Also a perfect opportunity to do hex crawl style exploration. I mean, is that something that you include frequently because I have yet to do it myself. Everything is more uh, purpose or story driven. And well, this is this this is kind of on the tail end of a hex crawl. Okay, that's that's kind of what they had been doing. Um, this group likes to like shift through. Like we'll talk about it even. Um, like we'll we'll talk about the style of campaign that they're interested in. Um, and so sometimes they want to try a hex crawl. And so we were in uh, like a hex crawl exploration themed year. And so like this year, they're like, you know what? We want something, you know, much more like like linear. Go here, go here, go here. 
um, linear story driven. Yeah, um, and so that's words. yeah. <laughs> so we're 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 going into a more um, load based point. Sure, <laughs> plot um, plot based point based uh, task driven. Yeah, I get it. Um, um, and so they they keep, they each have different styles that they're into, and so we we shift through them. So I like that. That is the um, very indicative quality of a good DM. So kudos to you on that. Now, one of the questions I really have to ask still takes us back to the goblin fight that they decided just to leave. Okay. There are still goblins left in the stronghold. Yeah. And I'm sure in my head... It is not as ridiculous. It is more ridiculous than how it how it truthfully happened. But they had gotten done with a skirmish. More goblins were on the way, and one of your party members just turned to there and said, "You know what? Hey, let's just head out. Like, we don't need to do this. This sucks." So, story wise, these guys kicked in the front door, slayed a bunch of goblins, never finished the job, and just like they're like, "Yep, yeah, fuck it, we're done. We're good." Yeah. No mission. Yeah, they, <laughs> just total dicks. Yeah. And um, like a, a couple things that did happen is they did kill the the captain of the back door, um, which is like the he was the I think the brother of the goblin king. Um nice. so you know there's there's slight repercussions down there, and now the goblins have control of the, the dwarven armory. So you know, now in the back of my mind, I've got this goblin kingdom with dwarven armor that I can kind of use, lure the player back, the players back to at some point in time. I like that. How about the idea of with dwarven stronghold and armor comes things like also dwarven weapons, like dwarven yeah. siege weapons, where they would need 20 goblins to operate, but they only have 10 now. How are they going to cover those last numbers? You know, they don't they don't just recruit new goblins, do they? Um, well, the goblins that are in this city, like there are thousands in Goblin City. Fair. So Fair. um so they, they killed a Yeah. They killed a handful compared to the amount of total. Yeah, scattered between okay quite a number of tribes there is going to be a, a, a sizable amount of goblins so realistically in, or at least they... in the area not all of them would be concentrated in the cities but um there are like lots of scattered goblins goblin tribes they could have been fighting for many sessions if they continued to dive deeper into this well like immediately where they were because they were just fighting for a tunnel entrance there would have been a lot <laughs> right. of fighting but once they get into the tunnels themselves, there wouldn't be a lot of fighting because it would be a okay. lot of empty, twisting, winding tunnels, kind of more like a labyrinth or a maze. That's fair. So, yes, there would be fighting, but only when they ended up running into kind of like these avoidable goblin strongholds. Sure, sure. I I still just love the fact that as as we've painted that picture clearly. They have essentially busted in the front door, got through the entrance, killed a bunch of people, and said, yep, now, you know what? We're good. We don't actually want to do this right now. So. Yeah. Oh, God, it was, <laughs> it's 
it's frustrating because like the the next door in is like uh like the captain's captain's room it's got all this treasure and they killed the captain and it's like you know the the gatehouse are uh the vaults mm -hmm. like one door away yeah no one was guarding it, it. <laughs> breaking into a house just to leave yeah i get it that's crazy uh, it's, scariest, it's funny though. The scariest barrier I can put is just one more door. Yeah, the next door is always, you know, personal experience has told me the next door is always the one that's killed me. So <laughs> I get it, but I, I also love just the story aspect too. Like, all right, guys, you know what? We're good. We got ourselves in. We found out we could do this. We can come back at any time now. They know. They know we'll own them. It's fine. Sheer terror. I like it. I have to tell you, Eli, my sessions have not been that exciting. Well, no, my last session was not as exciting as yours. Oh, why is, why is that? My players found a little bit of lore, which was fine, and they were going to engage in potential combat. However, not only did they avoid all the potential combat, they spent the most amount of time during our four-hour session trying to figure out a plan. So the big combat that they were supposed to... What do you, like, a, yeah, to, a plan for what? So, not last session, the session prior, the party, the Contingency Hero Party, was presented with a ultimatum-style deal from a bad guy that they're not on good terms with. The deal was do something for me, which is break into the castle and another city and open the secret trap door to let my uh, vampire army flood through a portal out the trap door and into the city. And if you don't do that, I will completely destroy the entire city that we're in right now because you call it a home base. So my party said, well, we don't want our city destroyed, so... We'll say, yes, we're going to do this and figure out how to do it with minimizing the most damage possible. So they set off. When they arrived to the city, which was this last game, they had collected the information they needed, where the door was, how to get in, etc. But out of four hours, they talked about the best route possible to minimize the damage and how they should go about getting into the castle to do this, how they should open the door, how they should figure everything out. They were trying to plan it extraordinarily in depth. And as much as I kept trying to guide them and give them information that they needed or wanted, and as much as I asked questions, no, I'm sorry, answered questions that they had asked, they continued to develop plans. And I don't mean one plan. They had contingency plans, backup plans, plan A through F. They had plans A through B for when plan C failed. And it was them communicating, mostly as a party, but sometimes one of our other players would just be sort of drifting off. So while two of them were talking, I could communicate with the other two who were there. And we would fill in more of the picture, see if somebody would hastily do something to jumpstart an activity or encounter by some means. 
everybody played it close to their chest. No rash movements, no dive into the encounters. All strictly, how are we going to do this and make it work? Um, so were you saying that most, like everyone was engaged in the planning? Not everybody was engaged in the planning for a lot of it, despite my efforts to attempt to bring them all together. Uh, so like you had a, just like a couple people that really wanted to over plan. They all wanted to over plan, but they weren't sure what to do. Anytime there was a place for them to chime in, they did, but they weren't engaging in the conversation as a whole. So it was more they were listening, observing, and responding when they felt like they had an idea that they could contribute. So I'm sure they felt like they had some form of engagement and interaction. But sitting on the outside where I felt I was, watching it happen in real time, it felt like two were excluded, two were trying to plan. The two that were excluded were just going along with it because they felt it was the right thing to do. Um but yes, the four-hour play window was completely absolved by planning and how to minimize potential damage. Well, it, it kind of, like, it doesn't seem like planning is necessarily the issue because sometimes planning is wonderful. I, like, I love listening to the players come up with some good plans and some ideas for how to move forward um, or like listening to their plans for their characters. Um, Cause oftentimes that can tell you, tell me like how, how, how strong they think their characters and what they think their characters can do mm -hmm. like reliably um, is how you listen to their plans. Um, but it sounds like you had two, like some players that were like ending up like hogging the spotlight of discussion as it were for the table. Um, realistically at the table those two were communicating amongst themselves for the majority of the time so i was free to communicate with the others right right um so i mean i i mean you can try to make what i you could you could try to make the planning more di dynamic like where they get to plan but then as soon as they have that plan you step through it. Okay, you have gone through this. Like, like, have it more where as they're planning, they're moving through and also completing those plans. Right? So, Instead of building this entire plan and then walking you through it. Right. And that, that was what I was hoping for. But they would get so far through a part of their plan and then they'd realize, no, that doesn't sound like a very good point once we get here. So that's going to be a bad plan. Let's try to piece together the next best option. So for example, I had introduced not just our audience, but you to Olek, Alistair, the black market merchant. One of my parties hates him. One of my parties loves him. Now the party that loves him got to engage with him this last session and they bought a bunch of information and they were granted a favor from him. And one of the ideas that came up was how do we do this? Maybe we could ask Olek for help. We have a favor. And then the next phrase out of somebody else's mouth was, no, we just got the favor. We don't want to use it already. So they had the start of many good plans and they absolved them 
near immediately. And they, they folded back on their older plans. They made some newer plans. And at this juncture, I know and they know what needs to be done, but nobody knows how it's going to get done. Well, um, maybe it sounds like you have planning that needs to be done, but you need to tell the people that are hogging the limelight to chat with everyone. Like, maybe you need to be a, a you know, the the school Strong teacher and sharing. Arbiter. Yeah, being the be the arbiter and make sure you're they're hearing everyone else's other idea others' ideas. I. I did what I could. I brought the others into the conversation, and the other two just were content with listening, taking I, I will some notes. I will say that is, like, you know, it's a strong and weak point of vir playing virtually, but virtually, really only one person can talk at a time, um, you know, for better or worse. Like, you still have to make sure everyone has a chance to speak, um, but mm -hmm. when someone is speaking, they're the only one speaking, so... Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things. And I'd even told my party, I said, honestly, this is one of those times I wish I was a player because I know exactly what I would do. Like I know exactly what plan I would go for. And their thought was, well, you're the DM. So you have that already kind of, uh, already kind of built in when they crossed the bridge over my plan that I did not tell them. I said, Hey, that's exactly what I would do. Thinking that it would accelerate the process here it did not mm. um well i guess here's another question is like is that level of planning necessary for the situation i don't know well like like think about like all the funny. all the points that they brought up like all good points Okay, so like all the points that they brought up about like barriers that they're trying to get across aren't mm -hmm. like because sometimes players will make up barriers that they think are in the way that aren't actually there, right? You know what I mean? Right. So, uh, as as I mentioned, the groundwork there was they had to sneak into the castle to open a trap door, which they were able to successfully do. They forged a document that allowed them passage. Somebody has a noble title, so it wasn't that far of a stretch. Um, they presented information. They gathered the right information. They made it to the room. They were talking with somebody. And the person that they were talking to was actually the current king of the city, the king of the kingdom. And he's like, nope. That we what we found out that trapdoor was that's bad. We don't really want to open it. And then there were pauses at this juncture for um, planning because if they open the door, the room will be swarmed with the vampire army, and they're paused if they can't defeat everybody that's going to be swarming out. They thought about trying to blow up the trap door and trap everybody below but if that doesn't work now there's a huge hole in the castle so that just accelerates the possible vampire uh infiltration and overthrowing and overtaking of the city oh so you're this this two-hour planning happened in a moment where they were basically ending a conversation with someone mm -hmm. oh this is 
This is a much easier situation to interrupt, Rob. You just tell them all the planning that you're doing needs to be in character because they just broke into a castle, right? Uh, kind of. They, yeah, they in, we'll say infiltrated. I don't use the term. I do not want to use the term broke in. We'll say but they, they infiltrated. infiltrated. Yes. Is, is there any sort of time crunch there? Uh, they're supposed to have their job completed within the next three days. Oh, well, you've essentially given them a three-day window. So you, you can let them talk for three days. Yes. However, like I said, I mean, they're, they're worried that they're going to use a destructive manner that's going to get them killed and they're not going to be able to stop the incursion of vampires. Um, and then they're worried that they're going to do something that will just exasperate the issue and accelerate the incursion of vampires. TikTok, you just you you should what I would advise is describe what they're doing, where they are at. For example, they're discussing about asking a favor for this one character or, you know, if they mm -hmm. talk about a demon army on the other side, who's overhearing this? You know, is there someone in the vicinity that like takes note and scrambles off to go tell someone else like does the king all of a sudden get more worried because of what he hears about the people that are like by the trap door like apply apply pressure to the situation until the players make a decision like in this time otherwise they'll just debate forever because they they can like they should be That's able true. to because they don't have any pressures like, All right. If you have so, three days, let them debate for three days. Most of the uh, most of the pressure that I can apply, excuse me, from this scenario, will be external forces that find ways to exasperate the issue. However, I know that you don't have a lot of back history here. What are some of your immediate thoughts? What type of pressure should I? Why? I I mean they're in they're in a secure area, right? So there's probably got to be some sort of guards of some kind, or an authority, um, mm -hmm. or uh, you know even maintenance. Um, I like that maintenance. Like like th things will happen around them. Um, you know, like there's probably a locked. Someone will come to check who they are or why they've just been standing by this super secure door for hours yelling um like does the king want them by there like why do they have this door shut in the first place like is there just a vampire army on the other side like like there's a, people there's start a to get more and more there. suspicious suspicious <laughs> like yeah like that that's what i would apply for a pressure um all right but that's i yeah fun. i don't know i don't know all the other what political right. pressures there are right and there there's a lot in fact i can actually talk a little bit about the i i, I guess overdevelopment or the fact that handouts come in, come into play here so my players have run with a few different npcs that follow and abide by the 
uh, rules of hospitality. So it finally came into play where I had to type up and give everybody the rules of hospitality. So now they have the definitive set of rules of hospitality, what it means to abide by the rules of hospitality. Okay. Not only do they have that, they now have the in-game legal document for the Accords of Neutral Ground. Okay. <laughs> so Accords of Neutral Ground tell them every signatory place that is considered neutral ground between uh, the world of Animar, its inhabitants, and supernatural beings. Ah. And if you are engaging upon neutral of engaging in activities within the neutral ground territories, which are generally considered singular establishments, you have to abide by these laws or rules and not to do so as an act of war. I've also had to type up what's called the safe wall treatise, the emblems against vile uh, defense against vile emblems, uh, actually like laws. Well, then it's it's clear why they they need to make take time to make decisions, Rob. Like they have to they have to reference all this material. Not everyone has you know a steel trap, um, like, and it, I I think if they are taking the time and reading and debating and and reading through this material, I, I say that's a win, right? It it is absolutely a win. In fact, I I'm just thinking, what do not every DM has players who will debate for four hours on the best action of plan. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you just get the let's kick in the door, kill 27,000 goblins and cut out before the other 100,000 are dead. Um, every now and then you get the guys who are like, nah, we're going to debate every possible uh, conjunction or issue with opening this door. Where do we fall on the line we game for four hours you want to apply well, pressure i agree with but yeah at what level do we do we push i mean i i see like if everyone's engaged whatever like if, right. if i'm the only one that if i'm not engaged like listening to them plan like i'm probably like they could be going over the same plan over and over like i get that but that's a great time to like think out your own and work out scenarios and like sketch out like because they're basically telling you what they're gonna do. Yep. So if I'm bored, sometimes I'll you know or bored or like you know if, if they're just talking amongst themselves, I'll work out what they're going to do and you know what I might need to react or like what might have like you know you prepare for those situations. Um, it's like having some moments to prep in the middle of a session. That's um, true. That's true. So, at least needless to say, my last session was not bells and whistles and explosions. It was intrigue, infiltration, and information. Hey, that's, that could be just as fun. And, I mean, it yeah. sounds like you were doing, like, a good job of engaging with the people that weren't interested in the planning points to potentially feed them more information or, um, like, get them in, engaged in other ways to, to be helped like helpful I, yeah, I mean that's right. that's a good way to run it that's that's what i would do if i was like at a at a convention um and you know some people were planning a big stage just to keep everyone uh going um yeah. 
That's fair. I guess, like I said, it's not it's not horrible, just not exciting. And I was wondering what you would do there, but I think we covered that. A little bit of pressure and consider it a win. I mean, you're right. They were all looking at extra information. They are all super interested. Actually, all of them took their folders home to read it. Hey, that's great. That's great. So, I, yeah, you're right. That's, that's a true win. I might be sweating this one for no reason. I, I have had sessions where there are, like, gridlock like, you know, it's been, you're like, oh my God, it's been two hours. You need to make a decision. Mm-hmm. Um, but also sometimes you just need to say that. And I've said it. And sometimes players have even said that they're like, come on, <laughs> let's make a decision. I know you both have strong opinions. Just roll a dice. Yep. Um, and that's where we got, you know, math rocks. Um, Lickety clack. Sometimes, you know, that's a great time to use player versus player roles. Um, You can use a flat D20 or you can even use like oration, you know, uh, diplomacy, whatever. Have a roll off. Um, Charisma. It doesn't matter whose idea is better. You know, if a character is more charismatic, you know, maybe that's the idea you go with anyways. Um, Right. That actually is something that commonly happens uh, in my party. one of their faces is has a very low intelligence. And mm-hmm. so their character will oftentimes be like, those are great ideas, but I don't think he's quite smart enough to do that. And then they'll do like the second or third best option. Nice. That's funny. That's funny. I like that. They're a great player. That's good. That's good. I, I love all my players. So, uh, yeah, I'm grateful that they, they at least show up. So, all right, guys. Lost my train of thought. We're closing out the episode. <laughs> if you need any of your D20 reference sheets or for other games such as Traveler or Fate, check out the Open Gaming Network. You can always find Epic Table Games online at epictablegames.com or Facebook at Epic Table Games. And check out our recently released products. They are a absolute blast, all compatible with the world's greatest role-playing game. And uh, check out uh, up to play up to four players uh, webcomic. It's a uh, it's a fun a fun thing. Pretty cool animation or uh, you know what illustration? That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, illustration. All right, All guys. Right. Have a good night. Happy crits. Okay, new intro. We've changed the name, and we're still using the word paladin. Paladin. I mean, it hasn't been used in the English language in about 200 years, but okay.